Hey, what's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 41, and we're going to cover Leviticus chapters 24 through 25. Here in chapter 24, you have more information about things that we've already covered. But the beautiful thing about the law is that it teaches, it shows us. So God reveals more as we go. So in verses one through four, we get more information about the lampstand. In verses five through nine, we're going to get more information about the table of showbread. And if you look at verse one, it says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the sons of Israel that they bring you clear oil from beaten olives for the light to make a lamp burn continually. And we talked about this before that the lamp would burn continually so the priest could see. But this also could be a picture in that God is to continuously be the light for Israel. And he says that Aaron should keep it in order from evening to morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a perpetual statute for all generations. In verses five through nine, we're going to get more information about the table of showbread. In verse six, it says, you shall set them in two rows, six to a row on a pure gold table before the Lord. And we see when we multiply those two numbers together, you get 12. And so now we get to see the symbolism continue that this represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Another clause here in verse 17, if a man takes the life of any human being, he shall be put to death. If we go back to our summary or our abstract or our outline, this would go under thou shall not kill. And so we can constantly keep remembering that we can constantly stack these principles, this case law, if you will, up under each of the 10 commands that we have. And we should constantly be doing that. Let's move into chapter 25. So in chapter 25, we talk about the sabbatical year and the year of Jubilee. And we've talked about these before, but now we get it in depth. These are the three things we are to remember. You have a Sabbath every week. You have a Sabbath every seven years. And you have a Sabbath every seven, seven years, which is 49 years. And so we'll talk about that here. Let's start in verse one. The Lord then spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I shall give you, then the land shall have a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its crops. But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field, nor prune your vineyard. Your harvest after growth you shall not reap, and your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. The land shall have its sabbatical year. Verse 8, then you shall also count off seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years. So do you have the time of seven Sabbaths of years, namely 49 years? Then you shall sound the ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the horn throughout your land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. And so this is what happens on the year of Jubilee. It shall be the year of Jubilee for you. Each of you shall return to his own property and each of you shall return to his family and you shall have 
the 50th year as a jubilee, and you shall not sow or reap its aftergrowth, nor gather in from the untrimmed vines. So this is very interesting. This is special. So if you think about it, a lot of people pick on the slave laws of Israel. God had it instituted that whatever was in place, if a person sold himself into slavery or if a person lost his land, it would automatically revert back to that person or that person's tribe, the next kinsman. And we'll see that later. In fact, this is why it would happen. In verse 20, it says, the land moreover shall not be sold permanently for the land is mine. And I love this verse because this shows that God owns all of the earth. And so everything that Israel has is leasehold. In fact, everything that anybody has, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Philistines, they're only leasing no matter if they have a title deed in their hand, they're only leasing. And so this is a really good reminder for us to this day. It doesn't matter if we have a deed in our hand, if our house is paid free and clear, we're leasing. The earth belongs to the Lord and we must be good stewards of what he's given us. And we must treat what we have as not our own, but he is and store it that properly. But here's something interesting in verse 25. It says, if a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor, he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come back and buy it, what his relative has sold. Verse 28, but if he has not found sufficient means to get it back for himself, then what he has sold shall remain in the hands of his purchaser until the year of Jubilee, but at the Jubilee it shall revert and he may return his property. And let's grab this here in verse 47, it says, now if the means of a stranger or a sojourner with you become sufficient and a countryman of yours become so poor with regard to him as he sells himself to a stranger who is sojourning with you or to the descendants of a stranger's family, then he shall have redemption rights after he has been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him or his uncle's son may redeem him or one of his blood relatives from his family may redeem him or if he prospers, he may redeem himself. This is something we need to talk about because this will help set us up for Ruth. In fact, we brought up Ruth a lot because even before it said that you should not glean the harvest on the outskirts of your field, you should lead that for the poor. And we talked about how that was a beautiful blessing and Boaz obeyed that and ended up finding a wife through his obedience. And we talked about the blessing and obedience from that. But here you see property rights being explained here. And what's interesting here is this is actually what Boaz uses to marry Ruth because he's not the nearest kinsman. Remember, Boaz had to talk to the first kinsman redeemer who eventually relinquished his rights because he did not want to be involved with Ruth. And so this is what Boaz is appealing to here, the property redemption rights here in Leviticus. But another thing that he ties in, he ties Deuteronomy 25, which is leverage marriage, which means that the nearest kinsman has to carry the family line on and marry a widow of a brother. And if there is no brother, 
you see the law dictating who is the nearest kinsman. And so I want us to pick up these laws because they'll be used later in scripture. And now we get to source them on where they come from and it'll help us. And so I want us to be encouraged by the book of Leviticus because they're going to be men and women who use these laws to transact and do life together later on in scripture. And in their obedience, God blesses them. And in fact, in some of their obedience, it furthers the line of Christ because they obey God's word. And that's a lesson in that. A lot of times in our obedience, we never know which one of those deeds which do something monumentous. There's not a lot of them, but we do know that all those deeds of obedience please the Father. But you just never know. God sometimes sprinkles these blessings that you unlock through obedience and they're monumentous. They're grand, like Boaz and Ruth marrying into the seed and Christ flowing through it. And my encouragement here today is not to listen to people who tell you to live your best life and go find your purpose or your purpose-driven life. You don't find your purpose by looking for it. You find your purpose by obeying, blooming where you are planted, being obedient where you are, and God will lead you into your purpose. That's the purpose-driven life, obedience. We don't have to take assessments and tests, define what we're good at and do that. And I'm not calling those things evil, but we need to put a higher premium and a greater emphasis on obedience because that's where blessing is found. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, when people were getting saved left and right, you know what they asked Paul? They said, Paul, what do we do now? We're married to these unbelievers. We have these jobs and we're doing all of these things. Do we just blow up all of this and have a revolution and go seek and serve Christ? You know what Paul says? Paul says, no, continue where you are. If you're married, stay married. If you're a slave, continue being a slave. But if they give you freedom, rather do that. That's true spiritual Christianity. It's not blowing up things or going to this distant location to find something or to find the Lord's will. It's being obedient where you are and that's where blessing is found. Be encouraged, saints. Obedience is where the Lord is. Catch you next time on day 42. You guys have a good day.